0: Where Kindness Lives is designed to cultivate a kinder world by helping to inform and inspire. Hosted by Jenny Sager from Nextdoor, the neighborhood network connecting you to what truly matters so you can belong. We'll chat to the most thought-provoking individuals paving the way for positive change and hear from neighbors who deliver small acts of kindness every day. So come on a journey to Where Kindness Lives. Hi, everyone. I'm Jenny Sager, and my guest today will definitely keep us on our toes. She'll make us laugh and possibly even shed a tear. She's raw, she's daring, and she's full of life. I'm talking about Australian media personality, Jessica Rowe. There's so much more to Jess than her on-air persona. She's an author, a mental health warrior, and a self-proclaimed proud crap housewife. I really can't wait for this chat. Let's welcome Jess to Where Kindness Lives. It's so love, I tell you what, it's lovely to be able to chat. So Jess, we start each episode by asking, What does kindness mean to you?
1: Kindness means to me having a big heart, being generous of spirit and thinking about other people. It's so true. And when you think
0: about other people, is there someone in your life that you think has been especially kind to you over the
1: years? And and what, what did that look like for you? I think about lots of different people being kind. And it's my parents. I think for many of us, we would sort of say our parents, my my mum and my dad, even though they split up when I was young, they are such good people, good, decent people. So they were my first introduction of kindness. But if I think about my life now and how it looks, I'd have to say my darling husband, Petey, to me, is the kindest person I know. He (laughs) always thinks about everyone else. Sometimes I think to his detriment, often that's the risk of kind people often will forget about themselves. We're often not so good at being kind to ourselves first and foremost. But definitely, Petey, Is uh, number one on the top of my kind list and it's so funny because knowing both of you
0: and in full disclosure our husbands actually work together and one of the questions that we get the most when people find that out is oh my gosh are Jess and Pete actually that nice in real life (laughs) like people love to ask that question (laughs) and the answer is yes like I think you guys you're both absolute superstars in the media in Australia and my gosh 40 years on television for repeat. And that kindness, you are still two of the most genuinely kind people I've ever met in my life. And how do you continue to do that? Like, how do you not get tainted after all this time in the spotlight and all this time in,
1: in the media? Oh, well, first of all, thank you so much for saying that. That's such a lovely thing to say. To me, it's it's about, I'll talk from, from my perspective, obviously, but it's about just being true to who you are. So I've always been someone who what you see is what you get the older i get the more comfortable i am with being myself not caring as much what other people think but i'm i have always been someone who i like to make people feel good around me because it makes me feel good and i love to be in not only work environments but just day-to-day environments where people's spirits are high and I know if I can make someone feel a bit better about themselves or their day, then I feel better. So in a way, I don't know if it's weird to say, but in a way, am I being selfish by saying this is why I'm kind because it makes me feel better as I move through the world. And I'm also aware of wanting to make other people around me feel seen and heard and appreciated more and more in life people are rushing around and busy and and so wanting to sort of get ahead or just think about themselves and to me there is no joy in that where's the joy it sort of it sucks the lifeblood out of you if that if you're so only focused on yourself and I I just for me it's it's strange trying to, um, quantify it. But I can't think of another way of existing. It's not I think almost as conscious of of thinking. Oh, I must be kind. It's it's just who I am, and it's how I live in the world. It's how my parents brought me up, and it's how I respond to people. And and if anything, there's probably not enough kindness to go around. And one thing that probably annoys me or irritates me is often people will mistake kindness for being either weak or a pushover or even that word nice that you used a bit earlier people can sort of downplay oh you're so nice as if there's (laughs) something to be ashamed of or that that's not quite so good but no I think kindness and niceness is a superpower it's not to be underestimated and you get far more I think from yourself and from the people around you, if you're kind, it's to me, it's it's common sense, isn't it? It's so true, and
0: it really is what we see every day on next door in neighbourhoods around Australia, where the the domino effect starts. One person is kind, and then it's that FOMO where it inspires somebody else to be kind, and then it kind of just keeps on going. How do you teach that to your own
1: girls and incorporate that into your own house? I think what's important, and you know, my daughters—they're now they're teenagers. They're thirteen and fifteen, and and I'm I'm not there yet at all in terms of parenting. I'm still learning. Some days I get it wrong. Other days I I get it a bit better. I, I get it a bit. I don't know if right is the correct word, but you know, some days you know I do it better than others. But what I've come to discover is. When my kids were tiny, I used to think, oh, if I do this and, and talk about this, then they will behave in a particular way. Not realizing that kids are such sponges and how they learn is by observing us, how we exist in the world, how we interact with people, how we talk to people. Are we polite? Are we kind? Are we gentle? Do we ask how people are and take the time to listen? Kids suck all of that up. And so I think with my daughters, and I know with how they've watched both Petey and I interact in the world with people, that by osmosis they do that too. I mean, every now and then they'll roll their eyes and think, do we really have to stop and talk with these people or, or have another chat with these people? But but they also are curious about the world around them. And I think that's also in a way a part of being kind because you're curious about people, you're curious about how they are, how their day is going or why they might be looking a bit down or why it is they've made a particular choice. And and so I think with our kids, that's what I'm aware of, that, that they hear how I talk to people and every now and then i'll hear some phrases that i might have used that i'll hear them in their interactions with people and and to me there's nothing better than that to to think oh they they also have not taken the lessons on board but but they're also seeing the value and the joy in connecting with people and being curious and asking people questions about their day and and also it could be just as simple as and i know this lifts my mood I might see someone, and I'm sure people often look at me as I walk down the street, and they think, who is this demented woman grinning at me? <laughs> but, but I'll smile at people. I don't know them, but I'll sort of smile and say hi. And some people kind of look at you and go, oh, I don't know about you. But other people will smile back and say, oh, hello. Or, or someone might walk past and I'll say, oh, I love your shoes. Or, gee, you look full of energy today. Just something as simple as a compliment I think can lift someone's mood because I know when people do it to me and I don't know them, that makes such a difference to me as well. So they're just little simple things. You you really see
0: someone's face light up straight away, don't you? Even when you just say something simple, like, oh, I really like your shoes, then it's like completely changes their
1: day. Of course it does. And also as well, let's remember that we don't know what someone else is going through. You never know how that person's mourning has 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 evolved, you don 't know what news they've received or what they might be carrying on their shoulders and something as simple as that beautiful human interaction can make all the difference. You might be the first person that they've spoken to or heard from all day, and I'm also very conscious too of of older people and and sort of smiling and having a chat or commenting as well. Because often as you get older, you'll hear people say, oh, I feel more invisible or not not recognized anymore. And so I think that's another thing to be mindful of as we make our way through the world. I think also, you know, as
0: moms and, and working moms, Sometimes you have those days where you're like, "Oh God, it's hard today, isn't it?" So, how do you manage that? Where you're you're trying to be kind and positive every day, and and taking care of the kids, and working on your own projects, and doing you anything else? And how do you make sure you're still kind of staying true to that value? And, and do you have any tips out there for other working moms? You know what? I think
1: we've got to take the pressure off, because. I don't want people to listen to me talking and think, oh, she seems to be so calm and have it all together. I don't. (laughs) (laughs) There are days when I lose the plot or moments or minutes or hours where I just think, oh, this is too hard and I'll go and um, eat some chocolate and, you know, close the door and not want anyone to talk to me. Um, I I think we, we have to be gentler on ourselves and... At the beginning, I spoke about being kind to other people. I know often we're not kind enough to ourselves, and that to me is very much how we speak to ourselves. Often, I don't do this so much now, but when I was younger, I I would be, I'd really beat myself up. I'd speak to myself in a voice that I wouldn't dream of speaking to my mum my pet um, my parents as I said my um, my partner my friends I wouldn't talk to them like that so why was I talking to myself this internal voice in such a negative way so for me I think that's been a game changer to, to be gentler on myself and to not always say to myself oh you know you're hopeless at that or you're not good at this stop some of that negative self-talk but also realize that you know what some days, Things will be harder than others and there's nothing wrong with takeaway, having dinner in front of the telly, um, staying in your jammies, whatever. You do what works for you and your family and not compare yourself to everyone else. There's often, I think, a sense of, oh, you think everyone else has it all together all the time and they have these amazing lives. No one does and if they do, they're actually lying. (laughs) So (laughs) I, I, I think advice mainly take the pressure off yourself know that you are enough and if you're worrying that you're not doing enough you actually are my gosh i have
0: so many questions and so many different directions to go from there. So you just, there was so many gems of goodness in that. I think it's also the perfect segue to your latest book, Diary of a Crap Housewife, which for anyone who does not follow you on Instagram yet, first of all, have you been living under a rock? But secondly, (laughs) it is by far like the best Instagram account. All of my girlfriends constantly texting me, oh my God, did you see this one? Did you see this one? It's just so real and so authentic and so hilarious at the same time, also semi self deprecating, as always, why did you decide to, to start the Crab housewife? And um, is it is it about what you just said is about kind of breaking down that wall and letting people know, hey, like, just get rid of the pressure, like relieve the pressure on yourself. And just, you know, let's all just relax a little bit.
1: Thank you, first of all, for saying all that lovely stuff about being a crap housewife. I know you're a crap housewife and I think, <laughs> you know, crap housewives of the world unite. <laughs> and and I think, you know, for me, social media, there's that negative side where people are comparing and not feeling good enough. But very much what I do with my social media is share it all because... I never want anyone to feel, oh, no, I'm not good enough or how have they got it all together and I don't. How, How it, though, came into being, it was really organic and like so much in life with me and I think with many people, it began through a conversation. And I was talking with with a girlfriend who's a journalist and we had uh, kids were sort of toddler age, which I think is just the most diabolical time. Although my (laughs) daughters are now teenagers, I much prefer teenagers than, than toddlers because toddlers are just mini terrorists they're just shockers (laughs) but we we were comparing notes and just like going oh god it's I'm so tired and it's exhausting and how do you deal with the tantrums all of that and then we came around to talking about what what our kids would and wouldn't eat and food and meals and and she said to me do you know there are some people who post to Facebook this was when Facebook was all the rage what they actually make for their kids' lunch each day. And I thought she was joking. I'm like, no, don't be ridiculous, as if you'd do that. And she said, no, no, have a look. So I had a look. And when I first saw these images of these beautiful lunches, these sort of... The bento boxes, the crazy over-the-top bento boxes. Exactly. And all (laughs) neat and tidy and, you know, beautiful watermelon but cut into balls and all these (laughs) fun-free, nut-free, sugar-free... Yucky, nothing, no sugar, bars of nothingness. San- and sandwiches in the shape of a sunflower. Exactly. All this stuff. <laughs> I remember, it, though, when I first saw it, a part of me was like, oh, no, I don't do that. I must be a really bad mum. You know, I give my kids, they get a lunch order, a Vegemite sandwich and tiny teddies and an apple and oh, I'm terrible. But then another part of me got angry. I thought, no, why am I allowing my sense of self to be defined by someone who I don't even know, and who knows how genuine it is? Why am I letting that impact how I feel about myself or how I feel about my parenting? So I said to my friend, I am going to post every night what I actually cook for my family with the hashtag crap housewife. And So it began from there. It began as something that I did for myself to make myself feel better about, I suppose, my inadequacies. And then what I loved was that it struck a chord with so many other women who would... Have a laugh and say, "Oh my God, yes. Like how underrated it is is mince. It's um <laughs> you can't overcook it. It's inexpensive. You can't, you know, you can reinvent it a million different ways. And, um, yes, I do plenty of brown food, too, and you know, all this sort of stuff. and and it grew from there. and and so i i I love it. it's it makes me feel, I suppose, heard and understood. And at the same time, I believe it's doing the same for a whole lot of other women. And I'm a huge believer in backing one another, supporting the different choices that we make. I mean, not only am I a crap housewife, I'm a proud feminist, but my brand of feminism is all about supporting the different choices that women make, even if it mightn't be the choices that you might make for you and your family. And so for me... That's, I suppose, what the crap housewife movement has become. And then in a more, I suppose, serious way, a more serious side is I had terrible postnatal depression after the birth of both of my daughters. And I, there was a time when I didn't think I'd ever be able to leave the house. And I felt so inadequate and such a failure. And I like to think of my Crap Housewife, being a Crap Housewife is sort of almost like the phoenix rising from the ashes of my postnatal depression that I've turned that sadness on its head but also learnt to embrace my imperfection and my vulnerability and and see it in a very different, empowering way. So for me, it's it's been such an important part of my life and who I am And and again, I just love that it resonates with so many women well it certainly does myself included it it, it truly is
0: the best and and you definitely do as you said, overshares sometimes, and as you mentioned, both on the serious side as well, does the family ever come back to you and say, Oh God, mom or go, just come on, really? Like, did you do you have to share that one? Do you get any slack from them?
1: Oh, all the time. I mean, Petey, <laughs> when I used to um do Studio 10 on Channel 10, which was like a morning panel show, and <laughs> he would text me the times when he'd be watching and he'd be going, he calls me Pussycat, that's my nickname. He'll go, no, pussycat, no, do not say that. And then it would be too late. I would have said it. Um, (laughs) So, (laughs) and then there are other times when I'll post things. Um, I'm recently new to TikTok. So I've got a TikTok account, much to my teenage daughter's horror, and I've managed (laughs) to entice Petey to do it a few times. And he'll just be like, what are you doing? Like this? It's not funny. It's ridiculous. It's not funny, and I'm like, come on, please! It is funny. I think it's funny, and um, and then he'll get, you know, he'll do it for me, and then he still doesn't think it's terribly funny. But 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 again, I don't care. It it amuses me. It cracks me up, and and also, I mean, I think to other people have a bit of a laugh, and and again, not. I think we need to embrace our sillier side as well. There is so much of life that is hard, that is heavy, that is serious, not only in our immediate world but in the wider world. There is so much that is happening. And how I cope with that, I suppose, and and navigate through it is by not taking myself too seriously all the time, By, by dressing up in silly costumes, by... Um, saying ridiculous mum jokes to my kids who roll their eyes and give me the finger. Um, I like to make hats. This is a relatively new thing. It sort of began during lockdowns with craft. I like to make a hat but to match my meals. So I've got like... Yes, and a I'm a big fan of the hats. <laughs> oh, I, I've never had you. so much... Um,
0: <laughs> So much wardrobe envy, my gosh. And I actually didn't realise you make all of them. I was like, where is she getting these taco hats and these, you know, like spaghetti? I remember the spaghetti bolognese one. Exactly. I mean, the, the hats are amazing.
1: And sausages in a fry pan. And I did this wonderful <laughs> big giant fried egg hat. And, I mean, Peter yes. will roll his eyes. He'll come home from work. He's like, what are you doing? And I'll be like, well, I'm making this. And, um, you know, in a joking way, I think he'd probably like me to spend a little more time actually making the food versus how much time I'm making hats. But, but as I said earlier, it's about joy. And for me, I get enormous joy from this creative side. And it's silly, lighthearted, but, but
0: it's fun. And I think there is a serious side to it, too, which is that you truly are helping to break the stigma around mental health and to, again, remind everybody why it's important to lessen that pressure and to be a bit vocal when you're having a down day. And And did you intend to do that from the beginning or was that kind of a, a place where you ended up? And, and how does it feel for you to realize now that you are really
1: helping to break down the stigma? It, that's it's it's there's many layers to that. For me, I've always been very passionate about using my voice to make a difference. And that was something that both of my parents taught me from an early age, that we all have a responsibility to do something. And, you know, that doesn't mean you've got to be the head of an organisation or a politician or whatever it is, all of us can make a difference in some small way and both mum and dad taught me that. And I think that was initially what drew me into journalism that I believed that information and sharing people's stories was a very powerful way of giving voice to people who might necessarily have had a voice before. And then over time, that I suppose morphed into talking more about mental health and and where that initially came from was my mum has got bipolar disorder. So for a lot of my early life, I cared for my mum and my two younger sisters. And then as we got older, mum mum actually wrote a beautiful book about her bipolar disorder. and, And we came to speak publicly about our family's experience. And over time, both mum and I saw the the power in sharing our family's story. And this was at a time, let's see, I'm now 52, so it was over 30 years ago where not as many people were talking about mental illness. So for us, it was so impactful to see what having our story, sharing our story would mean for other people because it would then give them permission to also say, oh, this has happened to my family or how do I make my way through this? But then again, over time, that changed again when I myself realised that I had a mental illness. And what what I found very confronting about that was the shame, the level of shame and stigma that I felt when I realised I had a mental illness. And let's not forget that I, over the years, had shared my family's story, my mum's story about mental illness. My message very much publicly then had been, there should be no shame. We need to talk about mental illness. But here I was experiencing in it, experiencing mental illness and appreciating the level of shame and stigma that I felt. And I remember then, really thinking deeply about how if I felt so ashamed, someone who has an understanding family, who knows where to go to get help, I have the economic means to get help, I have all these things going for me, if I still feel ashamed, how much harder must it be for someone else who doesn't even have perhaps one of those things in their corner? So that was then what inspired me to talk about my own postnatal depression.
0: Do you and Petey, do you know your neighbours? Are you guys friends with anyone on the street? Yes,
1: we do, especially Petey. Petey is, (laughs) I mean, I like a chat. Petey loves a chat And, and literally it's like, I'll even be with my daughters, going, "Can we get in the car now? <laughs> like we need to go, <laughs> or we'll be down at the supermarket. Now we need to keep moving, Petey. Like we don't need to get everyone's life story while we're standing here. Um, but yes, he's, he's working on a story for the six pm. News. <laughs> well, exactly. But but you know what? I mean, I make light of that, but but it is. I do love conversation and connection, and and as you mentioned, I'm. I think it's wonderful what what Nextdoor has done and is doing to um, sow those seeds of connection and and as simple as as our neighbours because I think almost before COVID there was less connection with our neighbours, less idea of who lived around us, whereas I think we are more aware of that now but we still probably don't reach out enough, or even just simply say hi, and and have that chat with, with people. And, and I know, you know, that point you made too about mental health during COVID. And also, I think we're going to be seeing the repercussions of that for so many years to come. I remember talking with some mental health experts who said, what they were finding was for many people who hadn't had any experience of mental illness, they were suddenly grappling with it for the first time in their lives. And that what we needed to do was to use a lot of the the techniques and the the expertise that the people who had, I suppose, more ongoing mental health issues to use some of their tools to help people get through. Because also, I think anecdotally, People who who had sort of ongoing mental health issues didn't find COVID quite so bad because they already had some sort of things that they were doing to help manage their mental health, and um, and I think that's that's something that, that's worth looking at as well. Share
0: a neighbor story in every episode of the podcast. And so I want to share a neighbor story from Australia with you today and just hear what you think about this one. This is from a neighbor named Ruth. And she posted on Nextdoor just wanting to thank her neighbors, Betty and Colin, who are retired in their 70s. And Ruth um, is part of a young family. And she just said that she loves how her neighbors are non judgmental to all of her struggles with kids and work and divorce and other things she has going on in the house. And she said, Since 2000, they've always helped me out and volunteered to drive me, organize things with a handyman. They're always there for me and my kids, my cat, my house, and my garden, and I'm so lucky to consider them my friends. We walk together, we celebrate small and big events, we chat and discuss things over the fence, we share our thoughts on the local community, we share our food and our bins and our driveway if we ever need to, and they never ask for anything back. They even looked after my house and cat for months. It's just so rare. To know that even when storm damage from my yard to theirs can't destroy their view on what neighbors are for each other and for friends who help.
1: Isn't that a great story? Oh, that makes me makes me want to cry. <laughs> I don't Ruth's neighbors just sound like such special souls? And and isn't that and that is what connects us, isn't it? The that that kindness of people who who just do it because they want to do it it's not because they expect anything in return it's just because that's what that's who they are and that's what they want to do and oh I think I'd love Ruth's neighbors to be next door to me as well
0: (laughs) I know everyone needs everyone needs uh, Betty and Colin next door
1: (laughs) I just I adore it it's so beautiful but 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 you're right I think as well just picking up on with um With COVID and things, with people seeing the kindness of of others around them. I mean, even, um, like, there was a lovely lady, Narelle, who lives around the corner from us. And when um, recently, you know, I got COVID and, I mean, she knows knows I'm not a great cook, but, you know, she dropped round in her sort of hot pot different meals that I could, you know, that family could heat up and just things like that. It makes such a difference and um, it's just so beautiful. (music)
0: Well, Jess, we could talk to you for hours on end, but we do one fun thing at the end of every episode called The Kind Carousel, where we get to ask you all kinds of different fun questions. So here we go. Um, Question number one, what's your favourite song to sing in the shower?
1: Oh, do you know at the moment, I'm a child of the 80s, and I'm not very good at remembering lots of lyrics, so I do love from Spandau Ballet, Gold gold da da you know that one da 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 power to something you're indestructible always believe in gold so yep yeah, that would that would be my shower song
0: <laughs> love it that's a tough one too i mean i don't know i don't think i could i could pull that one off okay what's your favorite crap housewife meal to cook
1: oh it's got to be spaghetti bolognese spag bowl. <sighs> everyone eats it uh you use the the pasta sauce that comes in a jar anything that's in a jar or a sachet you know wins hands down for me so yeah, spag bowl.
0: You know, I must be a super crap housewife because I don't even consider that a crappy meal. That's like a full-on dinner in my house. (laughs) Oh, no, I tell you, it is a
1: full-on dinner. We have it at least maybe once... Well, at least once, maybe twice a week in our house. And also, you see, with spag bol, with that, with that mince mix, you can do, you know, it can be um, shepherd's pie the following night, mash up some potato, put it on the top. You could make it into a nachos. I mean, I love that. If you've got leftovers, keep, keep redoing it. Yeah, there you go. Um,
0: okay, for anyone listening not in Australia, um, Jess and her husband Pete, as you know by now, are very recognisable and absolute legends in Australia. So what's one thing that you miss about not being anonymous? Because obviously when you walk out on the street here in Australia, everyone knows who you are. So is there something you miss about not being well-known?
1: Oh, do you know, because, you know, I never think of myself sort of as well-known in inverted commas, and some people – still, I mean, some people have no idea who I am. And um, so, no, I, I just feel, you know what, I feel so lucky to have the opportunities, the privileges and, and the life that I have. So, no, there's nothing I miss. Oh, love that. Um, okay, what about pet peeves? What, what would be a big pet peeve for yourself and Pete? Oh, well, what bugs me no end is <laughs> I, I'm a very slow driver. I'm 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 a bit of a granny driver. I like to just go slowly, <laughs> everyone gets very annoyed around me. But I'm also, you know, I'm mindful of the traffic around me. I always let people in, but when someone doesn't wave, when they you know, you let them in and they're not waving to oh, go thank you yes. that bugs me and yeah so that that would be definitely a pet peeve of mine <laughs> okay two more questions what's something
0: that you've learned from your daughters you've obviously taught them lots of things what's something you've you've learned from them
1: oh they teach me something new all the time my youngest daughter, Giselle, who's 13, she has taught me so much about the environment and climate change. I thought I knew stuff. She is, she doesn't like me calling her this, but I will. She is my eco-warrior. So she has taught me so much about how we can make a difference, what to do with recycling. So she's, she teaches me that. My eldest daughter, Allegra, she, she teaches me to be kind, And to be kinder, she is the most empathetic person I know. My other favorite thing about your, well, I have
0: too many favorite things about your Instagram account, but besides the wardrobe envy and the hats and the recipes and everything else, I love your jokes. You have so many good mom jokes as opposed to dad jokes. And so please tell us one of your favorite jokes.
1: Oh, Well, this would be one of my favourite. It's one of the simplest and that's why, because I'm not very good at remembering long jokes. Um, What do you call a pile of cats? A meowton. So it's a shocker, but as a crazy cat lady, as well as a crap housewife, that would have to be one of my favourites. Do you know the one I stole from you that my kids retell
0: over oh, and over what? again because they thought it was hilarious? Was what does um, cheese say when it looks itself in the mirror? <laughs> <laughs> Hello, me. <laughs> that has got, I mean, it comes up like every month. Oh, one of my kids yay. tells it like every few
1: weeks. Oh, you know what? That has made my day. I love that. <laughs> Uh, Totally
0: stolen. Absolutely ripped off from you. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Well, Jess, thank you so much for your time today. Again, if you don't already follow Jess on Instagram or now TikTok, apparently, too, you've clearly been living under a rock. So please go out and do that. And shameless plug, Jess,
1: what, what would you like to get out there? Oh, as you said, follow me on Insta or on TikTok. I'm at Crap Housewife. And of course, as you generously mentioned, my book, Diary of a Crap Housewife, plenty of tales there of living in this crap housewife world. And there's also some recipes in there too. So I reckon that's that's worth a look as well. It'll definitely keep you giggling. And thank
0: you for everything you've done in the mental health space as well, Jess. And again, I will I will say here on record, you and Pete genuinely are this nice in real life and we love you to death. Thank you so much. And um, please don't forget to download Nextdoor if you want
1: to start connecting with your neighbours now. Thanks so much, Jess. Oh, Jenny, thank you so much. Big love to you. I've so enjoyed talking. I mean, as you can tell, I could just be talking with you for hours and hours.
0: I really, you know, maybe we'll have to do a part two in in six months. (laughs) With more jokes. Exactly.